This is Shop Talk Radio, episode 28, with John Contino. Welcome to Shop Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nick Onkin, and on this show, we bring you inspiring guests to dive underneath the hood of the creative entrepreneurial lifestyle to bridge the gap between art, commerce, and inspiration. What is up, Shop Talk Creatives? I am excited to bring to you today's guest, the super talented illustrator and creative director, John Contino. I stumbled across John's work through a couple of different channels, but uh, he really inspired me in the space of hand-drawn type. And if you guys have seen my Instagram, I did a 100-day project of hand-drawn type Uh, a few months back, and it was an extremely different process for me. Uh, It was something that, it was a different channel of creativity, something to get me out of my normal photography mode. But John's work has inspired me in his style and the style that he's created in hand-drawn type. If you check out his website, johncontino.com, you'll get an idea of what I'm talking about. But he does hand-drawn type and illustration for many different brands. He's created his own t-shirt brand and he's built a really great name for himself in the industry. Not only is John uber talented in the creative world, but along with that, he's creative in business and he's got a lot of amazing mindsets and perspectives that have helped him create what he's created, the, the reputation, the brand, the business, and even all of his side projects and collaborations of his own t-shirt brand and many other things. Today, we get to hear John's amazing story and how he came to be. We get to hear some of the monumental moments that shaped his career from an, a crash in the economy to having a daughter and changing his perspective on his art and his business. Another great topic we get to take a deeper cut into in John's interview is the idea of taste and how having good taste allows you to create anything you want across the board. And creativity becomes a way of operating and not just an artistic expression. And you can create anything from a clothing line to fashion to branding and design to interiors of a house etc, etc. Many different venues, but having taste allows you to build anything. We talk about a lot more things, and I'm excited to bring to you today's episode, so let's jump in. Awesome. So we got John Contino in the studio today for Shop Talk Radio. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, so let's just get started and uh, just kind of give us your story. What what do you what you do? Where you're from? Kind of give us the overview. Well, I do. Uh, I'm a designer. I just call myself a designer because it's like at this at this at this point in time, like it's there's, there's too many things that I do or that we do as creative people or whatever, where it's just like you can pinpoint everything. So it's like I'll uh, you know. Hand lettering, illustration, branding, you know, consulting, creative direction, uh, wow. apparel, okay. you know, okay. all sorts of whatever. You know, I, I kind of, 
I got my hands in everything because I think you have to. Yeah. If you, you want to get anywhere these days. Yeah. You know, so uh, I kind of anything that's kind of creative that I can keep my hands on uh, is what I do. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So where, like, wh- where are you from? How did you get into being a creative and a designer, illustrator? Well, I'm, I'm from here. I'm from New York. Okay. And um, I, I come from a pretty creative family. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, you know, my mom's an artist. My grandmother was an artist. My, my father's a carpenter. My grandfather's an engineer. I, I oh, got wow. A family that goes back and, you know, everyone, everyone has some sort of creativity in them somehow. It's like, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of the, the 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 like the roots yeah. that I kind of grew up with, and it's not anything that I was like specifically made to do. It's just something I was always mm, into, yeah. you know. So like when I was a kid, I would, I you know, I love baseball and stuff like that. So I would just sit there and just draw baseball logos and stuff. And they all have like cool scripts across mm. the chest and cool you know monograms and emblems and you know mascots. And I yeah. would just I would just draw them over and over again. And, uh, you know, movie posters, stuff that I loved. Like, I loved Ghostbusters when I was a kid. So, I just draw the ghost in the, <laughs> the hash mark, you know, all the time. And, it, yeah. like, all that kind of I just do that all the time. And uh, I guess when, you know, my, my, my mom and my grandmother saw that, how interested I was, they just, yeah. like, fed into it. And my mom would just buy me rolls and rolls of paper. <laughs> and I would just sit on the floor and just, like, draw and draw and draw. And my grandmother taught me, you know, about, like, um, different things of, of, like, you know, different, you know, pieces of illustration and how kind of, you know, perspectives and, and volumes and kind of how to, she would always buy me like cartooning books and stuff like mm. that. You know, we'd go to Pearl Paint and she would pick up all these like different little books that I could just like learn how to draw people and characters and things like that. And, yeah. you know, my mom and my grandmother would teach me calligraphy when I was a kid. Wow. Like, I learned calligraphy like really young and wow. it was just, and it's, you know, it's like, it, it, at the time, it felt like it was like kind of girly or whatever. But I, I, I was like, ah, you know, because my mom would always do it for like invitations and stuff. Yeah. And she went to Catholic school when she was a kid, so everyone had like picture perfect handwriting. And uh, so, so I always just associated it with like, you know, Christmas cards and all that. And I was like, <laughs> I don't want to do that. But you know, as I got a little bit older and I kind of learned, um, you know, about what uh lettering and stuff could be and then learn that what i was doing already with you know baseball logos and movie posters and stuff like that was lettering then i started to think about like what i was actually doing and you know going out in the street and seeing graffiti on the walls and stuff like that i was was always obsessed with like i love how they draw that s i love how that r has like an arrow shooting out of it or something (laughs) like that you know so i would i would take that and just kind of run with it and and i i just kind of mixed all the stuff together and 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 started playing with it and i remember Going back like years and years, I had these, you know, these little cheap sketchbooks that my mom would get for me all the time, and I would just draw different alphabets all the time. Yeah, I write like John's alphabet number one, John's alphabet number two, and it's like it's so funny because looking back at them, they're still the same style that I work in today. Oh wow! Yeah, it's weird. It's like this. It's a certain, uh, you know, like how you get into X heights and all that stuff, Mm -hmm. and the tallness and the skinniness and the the weights and everything. I still kind of draw the same. You know, so I, I guess that like natural influence of what I'm interested in is just is always there. It's always going to be there. Yeah. And uh, I, that's how I started, man. And then when I got a little bit older, I got involved with music and uh, uh, started playing the drums mm. and hardcore bands and stuff. And, you know, naturally that whole kind of DIY scene um, lends yeah. itself perfectly to just like drawing your own stuff and totally. making your own stuff. And, and I, you know demo covers and flyers and t-shirts and whatever <laughs> i was doing all of it and any any of my friends bands i would do all their stuff yeah and, uh and and uh eventually you know some of the bands ended up getting bigger and i would do some of their layouts and it was just you know it just naturally kind of developed and that's 
it's just I, I was like this is what I want to do I didn't know it was a career mm. you know but I just it's just what I wanted to do and I just started doing it and then eventually I learned that you could make money off of it <laughs> you know but uh you know I started like I really I started making money doing design when I was 14 years old that's oh, no when, when I first started so I kind of I never really stopped at mm. that point so I worked through high school and college freelancing you know little bits here and there but yeah. that's really when it began and you know, I had I made letterheads and stuff and invoices when I was like 15 years old. So <laughs> I, I've been doing it a long, long time. <laughs> long time. How how did you make that transition into starting to the business and and creating, getting hired for it? It's uh, you know I always kind of relied on word of mouth, and I guess I still kind of do to yeah. to an extent. Um, but you know, like when you first start, you kind of just put yourself out there and you just try to do something kind of creative and unique. So. Someone yeah. else will notice it. Because, you know, if you just do something, anything, at least one person's going to be like, oh, that's cool. What is that? Or why'd you do that? Or, so, or just ask you a question about it. Yeah. And then you get to give you a little sales pitch, <laughs> you know? And then there's like the first one, and then each one kind of snowballs from there. Um, but I kind of, the freelancing worked out a lot easier mm. when I was a kid because it was just bands. And every band needs something. And not right. every band has a guy that can take pictures or, or like draw a logo, you know? <laughs> So I got involved with that. So that was kind of easy because if we were just at shows or whatever, I would just make friends with this band and be like, you guys need a layout for your next album, or, you know, <laughs> like whatever. And uh, so I, that was easy. But once, uh, once I got out of college, I just planned on just going full-time freelance mm -hmm. and just skipping the whole job market and everything. And my teachers were kind of aware that that's what I was doing anyway. So they kind of, they let me do my own thing. Yeah. So, you know, where other kids were still learning Photoshop and Illustrator, I was just... I was just doing projects, you know, I was doing pre-press and all this kind of stuff. Wow. And um, so they, they were good. They were, they were helpful in that they kind of just like let me do my own thing and gave me like legitimate, like real world, real world critiques. Yeah. As opposed to like teacher student kind of stuff. Um, so kind of once I got out of that, I thought I was in the right mindset to do it. And my freelance career was just a, a disaster for like three months because oh. I just couldn't. I couldn't do it as a full-time thing yet because it was always part-time. You know, I worked with my dad for years doing yeah. construction and I, I had like odd jobs working <laughs> at like Office Max and, you know, insurance companies or whatever. And uh, it, it was always a side thing. So it was always nice because it was like I made mm. extra cash. I had a cool portfolio and everything was really cool. But uh, as soon as it became a full-time thing and I had to start thinking about paying bills and <laughs> taking care of myself, then I just, I just tanked. So yeah. I got into um, I got I got into a, a job where I was doing uh, creative work for a financial company, mm -hmm. and they they just only did financial marketing and stuff. So it's like I would have a financial planner, I'd have this guy come in, and they all just needed business cards, <laughs> and it was inevitably always like a lighthouse or a clock or this or that or like a tree or something like really cheesy and stale and I would just knock them out knock them out and then just like redo the company website and just like hey I did it they're like that's great but we're not going to use it you know it's just like I would just do it and do it and uh and then I got a job at another place with a friend of mine and um it was cooler because that was it was like a half print broker half design house and we did yeah. cooler stuff we did you know flyers for like MTV and mm. Comedy Central and we'd get the occasional website or we'd get the occasional you know beverage label you know yeah. some alcohol usually and so i got to kind of flex some muscles there i met some really great people that taught me a lot about lettering and design and and how to kind of like hustle design right where it's just like you got to pump out like 10 things a day you got to pump out 20 things a day and it's like 
I thought I was fast and I was doing like five, you know? So I would sit in there and be like, Psh, I'm going to run this place. And I go in there and I like, I really got my ass handed to me. I was like, these guys are fast and they are good. And I got to learn from this, you know? So I really, I just like soaked up everything. Yeah. And then after a year of that, I, I felt like I kind of had a good, a good grasp on how to mm. be a professional designer on my own. And uh, I opened up my own studio. And since oh. then I've been working for myself ever since then. That was like, 2006. Oh, that's I'd amazing. Say. Yeah, 2006. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So you, it seems like you had this like ambition and gumption to learn and to always be kind of going after it. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Always. I've always been like that. I've always been like really like focused um, on anything that I did. Like I always put like 300% into everything. It's, it's always been like a lot of time when I was a kid, it, it would be tough to deal with because I would focus on stuff so much mm. that I would neglect other things, you know? So I'd yeah. get like my parents yelling at me like, stop that for two seconds and do something else, you know? <laughs> but like once I get focused on something, I just, I'm just like a laser beam. And that's kind of, it continues now because I'm still, even even with my year, year and a half old daughter, I'm still working till four or five o'clock in the morning just because wow. like once I'm locked in, I'm just locked in. And yeah. then I'm up at seven o'clock with her, you know, but like, Oof. it's just like once I can't, that's just how it is, you know, yeah. and it's, it's always been like that. And I don't think it's ever going to stop. Yeah. But you, you seem know? to have a, a lot of energy for it. Yeah. For now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's going to change one day. <laughs> yeah. But energy is good, man. I, yeah. I think yeah. it keeps it, keeps you yeah. going. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I mean, I, it's every, you know, I love what I do. Yeah. And and I'm surrounded by supportive people. My family's great. My wife is great. And even my daughter loves drawing already. You know, That's so awesome. it's it's I, it's it's the best <laughs> environment for me as as a creative person to thrive in. And uh, it's nice because it's you know it's not the it's stressful. Yeah. You know, but it's not stressful in a way where it's like a nine to five is stressful. Where at two thirty, I'm looking at my watch. Like uh, counting the minutes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling. Yeah, I know the feeling. So, what would you say? Like, what's that driving force? I don't know, man. I, I I don't know. I think if you could pinpoint it, you could probably be a billionaire. If you could, you know, it's it's one of those things. I think some people, um, some people have have forces for some things, and and some get focused in one way, and some get focused in another way. And I think luckily for me, that whatever the driving forces that I have to succeed or to just better myself or do something, it's just, whatever it is, it's just there in like abundance. I just, mm. I, I, but you know, I, I pull it from all different places. Yeah. Like I've, I've had people who, you know, my whole life would just like be like, you're never going to do that. You're never going to do this. You're never gonna, and it's like, it almost seems like sometimes that's the driving force mm. where it's just like constantly trying to prove people wrong, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, it changes, too. Like, sometimes you get a little bit of success and you go, this is great. I want more of this. And then mm. that's the driving force. And then other times it's, you know, I need to take care of my family. I need to really, you know, yeah. I really need to do big things so that I know that they're going to be comfortable mm. for the rest of their lives. You know, so it, it kind of shifts depending on the mood or the day or whatever. And sometimes it's just none of that. Sometimes it's just like that will to create. Yeah. And, and you just want to go and, uh, and not stop. Yeah. You know? It's an amazing thing to be able to create. Yeah. You know, like you just make stuff like yeah. out of nothing. You know, you <laughs> and just get make paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's something that a lot of people uh, want. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we're lucky enough to be able to do that ourselves. It's a gift. It really is, man. Just to have that ability. Yeah. Um, even if you suck and you still love it, 
it just immediately takes you out of sucking because you're just like, if you love it that much and you still do it, it's just, you're going to create a world in which there's a template. Yeah. And, and, and not necessarily that you can suck as a template, but like, <laughs> you know, like, by like, you know, like, um, typical standards, you know, like yeah. you can take whatever it is that you are, are looked at as not being good at and turn it into a style or an aesthetic or something. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you don't suck anymore. You're the master of, of this style. Yeah. And then it, you know, because it's just, it's the determination and the, and the will to like not give up. Yeah. You know, I think that's, a, that has a lot to do with yeah, it. Yeah. But I mean, that, that also takes a lot of, <laughs> a lot of practice and like it to really, really hone it and refine it totally. and to get it Absolutely. to the place that it needs to be. Yeah. You need to, you need to have the guts to do that though. Yeah. Cause it's the, I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily call myself good at, at like drawing or illustrating or anything, but it, it's, it's a thing that I've kind of honed so much that it just feels very me and yeah. I just don't know how else to do it. And, and the way that I go about it, like, like there are guys who just, draw or not guys and girls there's people out there that just draw so perfectly and so flawlessly that it's just like you you look like you're looking through the eyes of of like the universe you know (laughs) it's like amazing and i can't do that you know but like you could take you you take the tools that you're given and you make the best out of it and that's that's kind of what i try to do yeah so i mean it seems like passion fuels you as well absolutely absolutely you're passionate about what you do and you love it yeah Definitely. I feel like that's the driving force and, and a lot of us to like take us through the grind to get right. to that. I mean, you, you tell me about your grind that it's taken you to get to the space of the style that you've created. It's just, you know what it is? It's, uh, I've always had that kind of, I've always had that kind of style where everything is a little bit off. Hmm. And I don't know if it's because I, I've never had a steady hand or if it's because I've never been really classically trained or I don't really know what the reason is. Yeah. But everything I've always done has been a little bit off. It's been a little bit messy. It's, you know, even though I have this this intense love for modern minimalism and, and clean spaces and, and all this kind of stuff, it's never something that I've fully been able to do naturally. Yeah. I, I My body just kind of naturally goes towards organic, messy, uh, raw, gritty, I'm sure you, if you dig back far enough, there's reasons for that, you know, but, uh, it's something I've always been into. And, and I think that for a while I tried to, I tried to go against that. I tried to learn how to be clean vector typography Mm. guy. I tried to learn how to do, you know, dimensional, you know, full volume illustrations, all that kind of, it's just not me, you know, it's just, it's not me. So the, the day that I learned that I could draw with my hands mm. and ha- and you know have it look a certain way and it for it to be okay. Yeah. I kind of locked in on that and I was like that's all I'm going to do. You know, it's like it you know like that jack of all trades kind of thing. Like I didn't want to be that. Like yeah. I just wanted to be like a master at something. Yeah. So I just kind of picked one thing and I just ran with it and 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 it's like I do a lot of things now so it's not that I'm spread too thin but I I I focus that same kind of mentality on everything that I touch. Mm. So it's not like I'm trying to be a fashion designer and then I'm trying to be a motion guy. I'm trying to do this. It's like, I'm going to take that one idea of how I make things and apply it to the different mediums as opposed to trying to be good at different mediums. Just if I suck at one of them and it doesn't work at one, then it's just not going to work. I'll try (laughs) something else, you know? (laughs) Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's how you become known for what you do. And I mean, you really are a master. I, I, you know, in, in your craft and especially your style, I mean, it's very distinct. It's very, you know, you can recognize it now. Um, 
and I admire that about you. Thank it's, you. it's very cool. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, now, you know, you, get, you talked a little bit about um, trying different things mm-hmm. to be able to get to that space. And I feel like that's a big part of the creative process mm-hmm. and, and especially honing your own vision and style. Yeah. And how long did it take you to really develop the style that you've created now? Well, when you look at stuff that I do now, I feel like it definitely has a look that I did it, you know. But if you look at everything that I've done in my life, I think it all still looks the same. You know, I think it's just one of those like inherent kind of like things that just that I do. Like it's you know like I don't. It could go for anything, man. It's being right-handed or left-handed. I think it's just like that same <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. It's just it's just kind of in me. Uh, but doing exactly what I do now, I'd say probably around the time of the uh, recession is when I really started to kind of hone in on it. Because there's always things that I wanted to do. But when the recession hit and I was running the old studio, some of my major clients closed their doors and I lost mm. everything, you know? Like I lost every, ty- every type of major source of income I had. And uh, I got too comfortable and I wasn't being creative and I wasn't like pushing boundaries or trying to, yeah. you know, hustle anything. And uh, I, I had my back up against the wall. I was broke. I had nothing. <laughs> you know, my, my wife and I at the time weren't married and we were just like you know, trying to find the cheapest apartments we could and, and trying to find ways to, you know, get money together and stuff. And at one point, I just I just said, you know, now's the time. If I want to do what I want to do and I don't want to worry about failure, I'm already as failed as I possibly could be at this point. So yeah. I'm just going to do what I want. And then I started doing it and I, I kind of like, all the boundaries were gone because I had nothing, you yeah. know, to keep me from... You know, I didn't have any corporate clients. I didn't have any, I, at that time, I didn't have anything. So I just started fresh. Wow. I was like, I'm just going to do it. And, you know, thankfully, we have the internet these days. So you can put up a website <laughs> or whatever, and more people can see it than, yeah. than the old days when you take a portfolio book and you schedule meetings. Hey, right. You sit there, and it's like two people in a room think you're really cool, but that's it, you know? And that's, yeah. Uh, so I did that. And it just, uh, I, I, think, I think the thing that people really latched on to was the fact that, um, they could see that it was coming from a place of truth and mm. honesty and passion and determination. And uh, and once that happened, um, people started coming to me instead of me trying to sell myself to them. And that's that's where it picked up. And then it, it's just, it's, I just never got rid of that idea of um, doing things my way. Yeah. I, I, there's been temptations there at the beginning where it's just like, if I just did it this way, I could probably get more work out of it, you know, or yeah. I could make more money or something. But um I always went I always went against that and I just I, I stayed the course, you know. Yeah. Like I made a decision and I was gonna stick with it and it's it's worked out. And uh, every time I decide to go with my gut, it's it's that intuition I think is a lot better than mm. than the desire to like survive. I it's something about it just like it it just works out better for me. You know, yeah. I just feel maybe it's because I feel better with myself. I know I'm being truthful with myself. Mm-hmm. So I can like sleep you know <laughs> but uh it's it's always worked out better man and it's it keeps me going and to this day like you said i had it i got the energy and it's i feel like if i didn't do that i'd probably be drained and be like time to look for a new profession yeah you know? i mean that's i love that and i commend you for that and it's it's cool that that you I, th- I think it's almost essential that you you had to go through that yeah that time because yeah. you know I've gone through similar periods where work is really slow yeah. and you're like 
you get used to a certain lifestyle. Right. Yeah. Right. And then you're like, oh wait, now I gotta, now I gotta hustle. Yeah. Now I gotta like really get back to my own craft. Right. Right. And I think that's something to keep in mind. I mean, you probably, how much personal work do you do now? It's tough because every time I do a personal thing, I turn it into something that is a business. You know what I mean? Like, like I started Contino Brand almost as a hobby to, to like work on like collaboration stuff and just kind of hone the craft of more of like the fashion element of what I do. But then it's like, if I'm going to do that, I might as well just make a bunch and sell some stuff and create like some, <laughs> some interest. And because like the more interest that you get, the more stuff you can do. And it's like, as long as you, you know, follow the starting principle of where you're at and, and don't shift from it, yeah. then it can still be fun. Yeah. You know? So in terms of personal work, zero. Probably, yeah. but I, that's yeah. still personal work, you know. Yeah, I mean? it's still coming from in here. I think almost everything I do at this point is personal because um, when when people come to me with projects or whatever, and, and they're asking for me to do it my way, um, I don't I don't keep my mouth shut like I used to anymore. Like I'll be very open about why I think something's a good idea, why yeah. I think something's a bad idea, and I make it personal, mm. you know. And and I think that was a hard lesson to learn too, is about just saying no. I mean, if someone someone comes to you as a client, you automatically think you're there to serve them. You know what I mean? But yeah. when you hit a certain point and they're asking you to be you for them, yeah. you got to tell them no. You know, like you got to tell them no about certain things. If they say, <laughs> you know, we, we love what you do and we want you to do this, uh, but can you do it this way? And sometimes it's okay and sometimes it's not, but sometimes you just got to be like, no, because that doesn't make sense. Yeah. And that's not, that's not who I am. That's not what you want. And in the long run, if you want me to be me, trust what I'm telling you. Because, it, you know, if you can't envision it right now, I can. Yeah. You know, and when it's done, you'll just be like, I'm glad that we went that way. Yeah. You know, so it's hard to, it's hard to take that route and learn about being kind of tough <laughs> about what you do, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to understand what you want to do. It's hard to understand what you want to be. Yeah. But then to defend it on top of that. And maybe risk losing work or or losing money. Yeah. Just out of principle. That's scary stuff too. Yeah. You know, but you got to stick to your guns. Totally. Yeah. So, I mean, having said that, how do you, and that whole interaction with the client is such a dance. It's such oh, a yeah. graceful dance. I oh, mean, yeah. how do you tell a client no, but yet still project them in, in the right space? I think the, the, the main thing to do is to always just keep it clear that you're there to help. You're not there to benefit yourself. Mm. You know, like if, if the client's like, yeah, but we want to do this, we want to do this, you just have to come back and say, listen, you hired me to help you create the best thing that you can create, doing things the way that I know how. So I'm going to tell you the best way to do what you want, the best way I know how. And it's not for me and it's not for anybody else. It's for you. Yeah. You know, if you just like make that clear, and it's, it happens all the time. And as soon as you kind of say those words, I think the whole, like all, all, the, all the nonsense that you're dealing with with the project or whatever kind of goes away for a second and you remember that you both have the same objective mm. and you're both there for the same reason. And, uh, and it kind of, you know, you start fresh again. Yeah. You go, you know what? You're right. Let's, let's do it like this. Let's try it. Yeah. And it doesn't hurt to try. Yeah. You know, it doesn't hurt to give it a shot. And if it doesn't work, you figure something else out. That's kind of part of the process. Yeah. We're all problem solvers. That's why we're not fine artists in galleries, you know, like yeah. part of being professional, you know, paid designers, photographers, whatever, mm -hmm. is the fact that you're a problem solver. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to. You know, it's just, you're there to help, you're there to solve a problem and you're there to do them the best way you can. And as the hired professional, that's your job is to figure that out. Yeah. So you like, if, as long as you don't forget that, as long as you remember that 
you are a hired gun as opposed to a slave. Yeah. You know, then it's, then, then everyone's life is better. (laughs) (laughs) That's great advice. Great advice, man. Um, now you have like a, you have a very positive outlook and a, a very just kind of energetic spirit and like pushing forward. What's like one of the most monumental moments growing up that kind of helped shape that outlook? Well, I had, you know, I had a, I had a, I didn't have a tough childhood in the sense that I like grew up on the streets or whatever, but um, my, my, I'm the oldest out of three brothers and mm. my first brother who was born was born with Down syndrome and oh, he wow. had open heart surgery and it's like, you know, I'm only, I'm about two years older than him. So I was just old enough to understand that like death was looming, wow. you know, and his, it, it, that was one of those things where it kind of, you know, it definitely um, has a lot to do with. Uh, my anxiety and my like desire to like do things like quickly and you know like yeah you know like without a doubt but it also kind of showed me like you if you have the opportunity to do something you know and it's like the universe or whatever god or whoever you have that's like yeah. if it's not like against you for that moment i mean, you gotta take you gotta take advantage of it you know yeah. and you know thankfully he he turned out okay and whatever but you know for a long time there it's you, there's a lot of stuff that you got to go through to understand you know like when i was a kid i unfortunately i didn't get to hang out and do stupid stuff as much as i would want to you know a lot of times i would just have to be home because Mm. you know my brother would be in the hospital or my parents had to go somewhere and i had to be with him because he couldn't be by himself or whatever you know like there was a a lot of that kind of like rocky growing up i think really plays into who i am now because Mm. i just you know it's I, i at one point i realized that there is no future you know there's only today and it's yeah. like if you waste today you you might not have anything the next day you know so it's 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 like a weird like kind of overarching philosophy to to kind of pinpoint on like doing like a, a lettering you know label for a company or something like that but overall it's kind of the way i do everything and i think yeah. that's you know like to see to to be up against like the face of death and to just still be there and see that you know, not every time. I mean, this there were kids in his room or whatever that died. Yeah. You know, and I'm like a little kid, and I just see this is like this this death all around, and then this death is like. I mean, you can't go against that. I mean, that's just there. Yeah. You know, you can't. At, at one point, it's like you don't worry about money, you don't worry about food, you don't worry because there's death. Yeah. You know, and that's like the finality of everything, and uh, to be, you know, kind of indoctrinated into that so young. And kind of learn all that stuff, and then to come out of it, and for everything to be okay. Yeah, it's just like you got to live it up, man. You got to do what you want, <laughs> and you know, like there's still some stuff that I, you know, I get in my own head about. But for the things that I'm truly passionate about, there's no, mm-hmm. there is no stop, there's no end, there's no, there's none of that. It's just, just go forward and just do the best you can. There's yeah. no regrets. There's no mistakes. Everything is there for a reason. You know, like you're doing it, and you're learn from, you're learning from it, and it's just. It's just how it is, man. It's life. And, yeah. and it's, if you apply it to everything, I think, then you'll just be happier with it. And, you know, when, when tough stuff comes around, you'll deal with it and you'll come out the other end and you'll be fine. Yeah. You know? And I mean, it seems like you're proactive in creating the life that you want. Yeah, absolutely. Especially absolutely. going through all of this. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I mean, if you want something, the only way you're going to get it is by taking it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, no one's going to hand you anything. I never, I, I never had anyone hand me anything you know it's yeah. just like if i like i didn't i i didn't have like big internships i didn't have any hookups into whatever you know like the to get 
you know, the work that I get now is strictly from me just like hustling and hustling and hustling and just trying to get myself out there and everything. And it's just, yeah, you know, seeing it, seeing me work for it and then getting it eventually mm -hmm. after all the hard work and sleepless nights and whatever, it's, it just makes me want to do it more, you yeah. know? And it just may, it's, you know, like if you want something, it's out there, you just got to grab it. Yeah. And luckily for us, we live in the United States <laughs> where there's not like a government to oppress us where it takes it away from us. So like we can go out and do that. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's nice. <laughs> that, that's the blessing of living here. I feel like, and it's, yeah, because we capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, I, you know, capitalism definitely has a downfall, but <laughs> love it, hate it, yeah. but <laughs> it allows us to do what we do. Right. 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 And not everyone can say that they draw or take pictures or whatever every <laughs> single day and not have to dress a certain way or answer to someone or, you know, it's, it's, it's a luxury, but uh, if you have it, you use it. You exactly. Know? But there's, a, and there's also a gratefulness piece that goes along yeah. with that, which yeah. I, I can sense about you as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. I, yeah. Every single day. I mean, I've, it's uh, it, it's a long road, and there was definitely a lot of really hard times. And I would say, for the majority of my life, it, it was never an easy thing to deal with, just yeah. in general. But at this point, uh, dealing with everything I've dealt with, and working as hard as I've worked, and you know, having good family support and everything, I mean, I I wouldn't ask for anything different. You know, I'm very happy with what I'm doing, and I, I love what I'm doing. I love where I'm at. You know, and it's yeah. things. You know, this there's, there's a whole world out there to conquer, and it's just like. You know, we don't live forever. It's just you got plenty of time to do everything. <laughs> uh, yeah, plenty or not enough. Sometimes yeah. it seems like it's not enough. It depends on how you look at it, I think. It's, it's like there's – if you, if you really want to do a lot of stuff, yeah. you just got to do it fast. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you just turn an hour into five hours. Just get five times the amount of stuff done. Yeah. You know? So, you could you could play with it a little bit there. Yeah. You know? But it seems like you have, like, an, a good abundance mindset in the, in yeah. terms of that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I always think about sometimes, too, like, what, what happens if there's, like, an event that changes that? You know? Like, mm. how would I change as a person? Yeah. And, uh, and especially, like, you watch, like, TV and movies and stuff where there's, like, they always show like the flashbacks and everyone had a great life and they get the job they want. And then like this event happens and it changes them as a person. And it's like, <laughs> you sit there, you're watching and then all of a sudden you start to self-reflect. You go, oh my God, what if that happens to me? What am I going to do in my life? <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, you just got to be like, well, if that does happen, I'll just take it and I'll just use it the same way I've done everything else. And I, you never know until something happens. But, yeah, it's, you know, this is this kind of stuff I'm thinking about while I'm drawing, <laughs> you know. I guess you have a lot of, a lot of time on it when you're as you're drawing. Yeah, yeah. Especially, like, especially now that I work by myself a lot. Yeah. I just sit there. <laughs> it's like all I got to think about is what's in my head. So I think about all this kind of stuff all the time, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> What, uh, so kind of walk us through, I mean, uh, talking about work, speaking of work, what's a typical day like for you and, and, you know, from the time you wake up, like what kind of processes, do you have any like rit morning rituals that you go through in terms of just like getting into that creative zone and the yeah. flow and you know what I'm talking about when yeah. you're just like, okay, I got to access that flow. I got to get this, get this going. It's really funny too. Cause if you had asked me this a couple of years ago, it would have been totally different than it is now. And essentially the mindset is the same. But now that I'm a father, everything is different. You know mm. what I mean? And it's uh, it's better for sure, but yeah. it's, it's it's different. So it's like, it's it's not always like, I used to get up, you know, 8, 30, 9, 10, 11, you know, like whatever. But whatever time I got up, I always would work that much later. Mm. But now it's like, oh, sometimes my daughter wants to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning or it's 5 o'clock in the morning. If she's up, she's up. 
Yeah. She doesn't know the difference. You know, she wants to play or she wants to watch TV or she wants to eat or she wants to just scream for no reason. And, uh, you know, whenever that's done and some, my wife and I will trade off days or whatever. Yeah. So if it's my day, I have to wait until my wife is ready to take over and then I start <laughs> my day. Or if it's her day, I kind of squeeze in the last couple of winks that I can get and, uh, and, then, and then go down and start working. You know, yeah. I just try to dive right in. But uh, it's it's not as easy as it used to be because now there's a lot more stuff to worry about. Mm. And, uh, you know, like if, if my daughter's crying for some reason, is she teething? Is she hungry? Is she this? Is she that? Is she, you know, and then I worry about like if I'm around enough because part of the reason why I, I took everything in house and then work from a home studio now is so that I could be around all the time. Yeah. You know, like I, I the, the amount that I was working before we had her, um, it was like unholy, you know, like there's yeah. like it. My wife and I would barely see each other as it was. If I kept up that pace, I would like she wouldn't know me, you know. Yeah. And I don't want that. Like, if first and foremost for me is always family. Like, yeah. family is my everything. Yeah. And if my daughter didn't have me around, or if I wasn't there to see everything, it would kill me. Yeah. So now I work from home, and I'll, I drop everything if she's doing something. Like, mm. you know, thanks for, to like iPhones and stuff like that. I have her first words, her first steps. Her first, the first time she clapped, the first time she laughed. The fir- I got it all on video, you yeah. know, and I will drop everything for that. Wow. Um, but now it's it, what it used to be. Um, I would get up, I would have my, my little ritual, go to the deli, get a bagel, whatever, and yeah. sit down, go through my emails, then start this project and do this and do that. And whatever, it's, it's all different now. It's, it's now it's like it all revolves around her. So, yeah. so whenever I have some time to work is where I squeeze in all my work. And then eventually, after I put her to bed, uh, then it's like real deal work time. Yeah. So nine o'clock at night is when I sit down and then I do another six hours or mm. so and, and then just go straight through there and then just hope that she sleeps long enough that yeah. my wife and I can function the next day and then just do it again. <laughs> but that's, that's, what, that's what it is now. And I, I, I've talked to a lot, of, a lot of people who kind of are in the same boat because it just seems like when we had our daughter it seemed like everyone was having kids all at the same time yeah so you know you commiserate and it's like how do you do this how do you do that how do you do this <laughs> but uh it doesn't seem like, like everyone's unique but no one's yeah no one is at the same time right you know so uh that's that's where my process in, is now nowadays <laughs> do whatever i can when i can <laughs> yeah no that's amazing and i guess that like how uh, this is i'm curious about this is like how has having had your daughter affected your work in terms of like style and concept and I'm sure it's had a lot to play into it. Yeah. I mean the, the craziest thing that I had ever experienced besides like being a dad and all that kind of stuff was, uh, the moments leading up to her birth Mm. because at that moment I, you know, I had scrubs on and my wife was in the bed and there were doctors all around and beeping and everything like that. At that moment, I immediately lost interest in design 100%. Wow. I didn't care about it. I was like, I don't even want to think about this. I don't care if I never work again. I just, it was the weirdest thing. And I had this weird like internal monologue where I just dropped everything. And I was like, (laughs) I just don't care. I don't care. I don't care if I get projects. I don't care if anything. This is all I care about. And um, it's, you know, because it's such, such an amazing thing. It's so overwhelming. And especially as a father and not a mother where you sit there and you watch everything. Yeah. And you're not actually experiencing any of it. You're just watching it, you know? And, uh, but you know that you still have that same responsibility. It's just like, 
my whole world just like instantly changed. And then eventually it kind of came back. Like, you know, I, I love my little girl and I, everything is for yeah. her, but like, you know, and then it's just like, I'm a dad as well as being a designer, you know, like, and yeah. then it all kind of came back and I don't think anything's really changed mm-hmm. except for the fact that, you know, now I'm a different person, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm everything I was, but now I'm also this, right? you know, and uh, I, I, the only, I, if anything, the only thing that's changed is that I just know that now there's a reason for me mm. to work as hard as I was working yeah. because now I have something to kind of build. Yeah. You know, it's whereas when you're single or whatever, it's just, you do it for you. Yeah. But if it's not for you, you know, like when you're done, if, if it's just you, then it's just like, all right, it's done. Yeah. But if it's, if it's you and a family and it's done, then it's like, <laughs> there are people relying on you and you're just like, Oh God, it can't be done. You just gotta yeah. keep going. So, so the desire to create and to change and to stay fresh and everything is a little bit more, um, uh, heavy, yeah. Now, because you, you have to, you have to. You, you just can't not. Yeah, you, you know? got, you got, you got a little one to, yeah, to yeah. look after and yeah. to bring up in this world. That's yeah. a huge, a huge responsibility. Just, you know, you know, you want to make, you want to make the kids' lives easier so that yeah. you don't have to. Because you know, as and you grow up, you worry about all sorts of stupid stuff, and then you don't worry <laughs> about anything at the same time. And it's like you deal with this and you deal with that, and it's yeah. like I don't want her to deal with anything. Yeah, it's gonna happen. But mm-hmm. as a parent, you just want them to have like perfect fairy tale life and you know you try your best to make that happen but uh that's i think that's the only thing that changes it's you know it's it's all kind of the same except now yeah you know it's now it's better yeah yeah that's great and i mean so having said that where's uh like where do you get your inspiration from man i it's <clears throat> excuse me that's a question that i think a lot of people ask yeah it's just like where where does your where does your brain start? You yeah, exactly. Know? And it's like it's it's sometimes it's a really dumb answer because like oh well I look at this and I look at this or sometimes it's just the answer isn't really an answer. Yeah, you know because it, it's like my inspiration is just like it's like what I was saying like my inspiration is part of my drive it's part of my whatever. Yeah. In terms of creativity and where I come up with ideas or whatever, there's uh you know everyone kind of has their input in a certain way. You know, like I've, I've, when my grandfather sits down and we have a long conversation about his old neighborhood where he grew up and it's like, that's amazing. I need to use something like that, yeah. you know? Or, um, you know, if my parents are telling me a story or they're like, they're doing this or they're doing that, I go, wow, that's, that's so cool. And I kind of use that. Or my wife is just like the, like the best creative inspiration that I could have because she is so creative and so unique and awesome Mm. at everything she does it's just like really inspirational to just watch her exist during the day because the way her brain works is just like i'm always just like watching what she does and i go wow that's that's awesome and she kind of like always like shows me things that i feel like i would like but maybe i never look into Mm. and then she's like just look at it you know because she's the only person who can tell me to shut up and do something (laughs) and and me not to like yell back at her you know yeah so she'll just be like just look at this you'll like it i swear and i and then all of a sudden like a new world is open to me Mm. so uh it's it's all the people in my life and and the way that they live i think is the most inspirational to me that's awesome you know it's just like just one thing is that I always wished I was like a writer. I love the concept of storytelling. Mm. You know, I think that's such an amazing thing that human beings can do is to tell stories. And since I'm not a writer, I try to tell stories in a very literal, visual kind of way. Yeah. 
And I just observe everyone in a way that it's like a story. You know, I love documenting stuff. I love taking pictures and, and drawing things and just like documenting things. Mm -hmm. I just, I love the idea of documentation, you know? Mm. So anything that's like documented or that I can observe, I think is the most inspirational thing out there. Cause it's like, it just is, you know, yeah. this is the thing that is, I mean, we're in the middle of big black nothing. And all these things just are what they are. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's amazing. It's an incredible thing. And I just kind of like soak it all up. And then, of course, there's definitely like the artists that I like and, yeah. you know, the stuff that I, I find interesting or whatever. And I have tons of books, <laughs> all like the references or whatever that I that I pull from. But in terms of inspiration, it's, it's, it's everything. You know, it's yeah. just like the story that is us. You yeah. Know? No, totally. I mean, I totally feel the same way. And, and I get that question a lot as well. And it's kind of one of those ambiguous questions where you're like, I don't know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it really does. It comes from everything. I mean, conversations yeah. and like looking at other work or other artists right. that are doing different things right, and music right. and, and all that stuff. But it's, it's always great to hear, you know, what inspires, uh, other artists. So thank you for that. Yeah. That was, thank that you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's great. So how did the, how did the Contino brand come about? Like, it sounds like that evolved from like a personal just project and then it became like yeah. something bigger. Well, what happens is, uh, when I was running the design studio, I was running it with a friend of mine, Matt, and, um, we, we had started doing work for a lot of these up and coming streetwear brands. Because at the time, streetwear was like heavy, mm. you know, like big, big hitters and stuff. Like Supreme was really huge and all these types of brands like that yeah. were really starting to come to their own. You Like Mishka and uh, God, I don't know, all, all these, you know, the, the whole lot of them. And they were getting huge. So we started working with all these, all these companies, you know, whether they were smaller ones or bigger ones. We were doing t-shirt designs for them. We were doing branding work. We were doing everything. And that's kind of our for foray into doing like really cool stuff. Mm. And, um, you know, after that whole recession and all that stuff, we had a ton of unused designs. Either they were rejected mm. or they were stuff we couldn't figure out what to do with or who to give them to. And, uh, you know, we were broke as broke can be and we just needed money for Christmas presents and stuff. So we kind of put together like a <laughs> fake little lookbook and we threw up a website with some t-shirts and uh, it had a great response. So we were just like, let's do this. And we went full time with the clothing company and that clothing company is CXXVI. And we closed the studio and we went full time, just clothing company developing our own product, being our own client. Oh, wow. And it was great for a while, you know? And then you hit bumps in the road and the bigger you get, the more people, it's like, well, this retail spot wants this and this one wants this and yeah. this one sells better in California, but this one sells better in New York. So we got to do two versions of it. And um, so... You know, we had that whole kind of scenario and then budgets come into play and it's like, well, we have to maintain this amount of income right. so that we can produce this and still profit off of this so that we can put it into next season. <sighs> and it gets crazy, you know? Yeah. So like all the cool stuff that you want to do becomes the bigger and bigger you get, you know, focusing on a particular style that you're doing, mm -hmm. it starts to eliminate things. Otherwise, you're putting major investments into it. Yeah. So... I started to do more stuff on my own, you know, um, collaborating with other brands just so I could branch out and do some of the things I couldn't yeah. do. And after a while, I, I had all these really cool collaborations going and nowhere to really put them. Yeah. So I figured with the, the concept of Contino brand was to do, uh, you know, focus on it as 
a curation of collaboration, mm. you know? So it's like, I'll work with this brand and we'll do this together because they're great at this and, and my style meshes well with them and we'll work together and we'll create a really cool product or a couple yeah. and put it all under one roof. So Contino brand is really just like this collection of collaborations. And I like to really focus on the fact that I work with these other people who are just like masters of what they do. Yeah. It's just amazing what they do. So that's kind of what it is. I, you know, I, I you know, I get to do, yeah, I, I do these uh, great jackets and these hats with uh, Ebbetsfield flannels or yeah. Fort Lonesome in Austin. And, uh, you know, like I, I'm working with um, uh, this company called Worker Man and he creates these amazing handmade knives and I'm, I'm doing these engravings in them and stuff. Oh, this is really, awesome. really cool stuff. And uh, the, the tough part is, is to try and find time in the schedule to make it happen. <laughs> You know, no joke. So I have like ten collaborations that are like halfway done that I just need to finish up a couple things with. Yeah, and then they'll be okay. But uh, you know, that's the hardest part. But it's a, it's a good creative outlet, and I I do limited edition stuff. So it's like it's really special, but it's also not a big burden yeah. on me. You know, and and once it's gone, it's gone, and that's that's the end of it. And then move on to a new idea. It's not about like this maintaining this brand or whatever. It's just it's 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 more about like keeping cool stuff and keeping myself fresh and yeah. getting to work with really cool people and hoping to use that as a springboard to do even bigger projects together for yeah. other people. You know, it's, uh, it's more of like a portfolio than anything else to show not only what I can do, but these, these other companies and manufacturers and stuff yeah. show what they can do too. And, and how, you know, if you go to the right places, there's an arsenal of people who make and create amazing things, Yeah, you know, and it's, just to try and shine a spotlight on people who are doing really cool stuff that you might not see if you just step into the mall or whatever. You know, right. it's like just give it a little bit more flavor to to something that is can essentially be pretty bland. Yeah, I love you know? that. So you've learned. It sounds like you've learned a lot through that whole process. Yeah, too much maybe. <laughs> <laughs> What's one of the biggest lessons that you've learned? Uh, probably. I mean, when you go from graphic design to apparel or fashion or something like that, it's a total shift in mindset. And I feel like for a while now, I've been walking that line where I understand both really well, but I don't mm. fall into either category entirely. You know, like if I hang out with a group of designers, that mentality is completely different from a group of fashion people or apparel people. It's, yeah. it's just two totally different worlds, even though essentially you're doing the same thing. Right. It's, it's the way that they're marketed, it's the way that they're produced, it's the way that the overhead works, it's the way all these kinds of like details that like get exhausting after a while are so close and yet so different. And uh, I think learning the shift from design to apparel has, has been the, the biggest adjustment mm. and, and learning about how, you know, how you have to invest a certain amount of money into this and how you have to with stock in and how you have to maintain relationships with, with certain retail people and how their relationships with each other can get in the way. Uh. It's like, it's a headache. It's a, it's a huge headache, but <laughs> once you, there are great people out there though. And once you kind of meet all those people and you, and you understand like they are feeling the same headache, you yeah. kind of band together the same way anyone else does. Yeah. And you learn the easier ways to get things done. So it's just, it's just kind of like that shift. Yeah. You know, that makes sense. But, What's your what what's your thoughts on the uh on digital versus analog and and keep it I mean obviously pretty much I'm assuming most of the stuff you do is analog. Yeah. Yeah. I I love the idea of digital being an everyday thing. Um but for me personally, I stay I stay as analog as I possibly can. Yeah. Just cuz it's like 
not for any particular philosophical reason, um, but more of the, I just feel more comfortable in that environment. Yeah. You know, I use digital stuff every day as like, you know, like iPhones, computers, you know, everything. It's like digital is, is definitely my world. Yeah. But when it comes to, you know, like the meat of everything, it's still just pen on paper. And, and it's until digital catches up to that, I think it's always going to be half and half. I'm always going to have the creative process is going to live and die on the page and the organizational management process is going to live and die on the iPhone or the computer or whatever. You know, I'm always going to need my calendar. I'm always going to need my reminders, <laughs> my email, and, you know, totally. all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, the crea- the, it, it's nice, though, to have things like Instagram or whatever yeah. where you have um, a, a basically a canvas to fill with something, you know, and I, and I like to really kind of use that as, as a little bit of a, of motivation to kind of do some stuff. Cause it's like the knowing that you can share with people so easily and so quickly, it's kind of nice to just, it it almost forces you to want to do more. Yeah. You know? Um, so it's, they really go hand in hand these days. Right. You got, you you almost have to have both. (laughs) If you're purely digital, I feel like you lose something. Like if you're like, I, I don't imagine how web guys, do it, you know, like who work at these startups. Like if I worked at a startup, I'd probably have like stacks of sketchbooks and stuff. Right. You know, just it, not even for drawing, just for like writing notes and, yeah. and, and just like coming up with ideas. But on the flip side, uh, I do so much on paper that I do a lot of like brainstorming and stuff just on the computer itself, just to make things quicker. So yeah. that when I do get to the drawing process, I, I kind of have some bad ideas weeded out already. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's, I think it's important these yeah. days, and I think it's going to be important for a long time. But for analog, I think it still has a long time yeah. to exist safely without digital infringing because they just, it's still not quite there yet. Yeah, you can't get the same feeling. Yeah, you just, yeah, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> so the name of analog, like what's your favorite medium or pen or that you like to use? I Well, it's so funny too because like over the years, I've tried them all. You know, everyone's yeah. got their own favorite. But to me at this point, I always buy the big cheap boxes of printer paper, like the reams and the reams and the reams, ah. you know? like as cheap as you can get, just whatever plain white printer paper, you know? So I buy tons of those and then I just, my, my major investment is Micron pens and everything <laughs> I do is just Micron pens and Statler HP pencils. Yeah. And that's it. I pencil and then I Micron over it, scan it, and then I'm good to go. Like that's, that's my, that's definitely my weapon right there. It's just cheap paper, Microns, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I mean, I've I've been getting out, getting down with the micron pens myself. They're great. They they don't bleed, yeah. which is amazing. They they get great coverage. You get great graphic, you know, tone out of it. It's yeah. They're perfect. I I think they're perfect pens. Definitely. You Have know? you played with the crank markers at all? Yeah, yeah. And it gets for what I try to do. I end up. It's over the years. I've been working smaller and smaller and smaller because I mm. love blowing up smaller drawings. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. love getting it because then you get that like raw kind of like natural intensity of ink bleeding on a page. Yeah. You know, so um, stuff like the crinks, they're amazing, but I just don't work big enough anymore mm. to be able to use them to really use them to the full capacity. Yeah. So it's like I find myself even going from like um, it shifts all the time, but like I'll go from a Micron 08 down to like an 005. Oh, wow. And it's just like, I'm like, how the hell did I end up with an 005? Like, <laughs> it's not what I wanted, but like, you know, different projects require different yeah. types of styles and having that breadth of width, widths and, you know, thicknesses is yeah. really nice. And 
they're reliable as hell, man. Yeah. They, they, they're always there. Oh, they're great pens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and so when you say your work's small, like how small is when you're doing a drawing? Is it like a couple inches or it is could, it like... Well, being that I work on just those like eight and a half by 11 pages, nothing ever gets bigger than eight, eight and a half by 11. Mm. I'll have drawings that are that big, which are considered my big drawings. Oh, wow. But, you know, a lot of times, like especially doing branding work and stuff, I always start really small, like a couple inches. Absolutely. It's like a basic kind of kind of size it depends like excuse me some some lettering um you know if, if i wanted to have a certain style you know if it has to be a lot cleaner i work way bigger because yeah. it helps avoid the mistakes but if i wanted to have that gritty feeling i work way smaller because it's a lot easier to just have mm. like those happy mistakes you know yeah and uh so it, it definitely changes but nothing nothing ever exceeds exceeds uh eight and a half by 11 <laughs> i love that i love that that's awesome plus it's easier to store mm. i don't need giant flat files all over my studio it's like i get these little things i put them in folders when i'm done and i can have decades worth of work on one bookshelf that's awesome you know wow yeah it's nice that's amazing yeah so i guess going back what you know how did you first start making money doing this <laughs> Uh, well, I definitely, I first started making money back when I was in high school mm. because um, I had, I had uh, bands and stuff that would pay me $50 for this, $100 for this, whatever. So I kind of got the taste of how to make money doing design. Mm. And then I did a website for uh, one of my mom's old bosses. Yeah. And I got paid 400 bucks for it. Oh, wow. And totally had no idea how much a website cost or anything. I was 14 years old. You know, I was barely in high school. Uh, and I think I used like AOL Press or something to make it, you know, like super old school. And um, and I kind of got, I got the taste for it then that you yeah. can make money doing it. So then I started charging. It's like, well, if you want me to do this, it'll cost you $100 and $200. Plus. And then it was $500. And then it was $1,000. And, you know, down the line, like, you kind of realize that it, the only way to do it and to survive doing it is to start charging. Mm. And eventually, you know, when you get a few projects under your belt and people know that you're the real deal, your price can go up. And then you have, I mean, your price can be whatever the hell you want it to be. But if you got something to stand on, then people will be more willing to pay for it. Right. You know, so it's just it's just that same kind of working, hustling mentality to just show how much you can do and what you can do with the tools that you're given. And, uh, you know, people will understand that there's a, a worth behind that. Yeah. And, you know, eventually, I mean, no one can start off charging $10,000 for a logo or, or like, yeah. you know, do like a $500,000 branding campaign. You got, everyone has to start somewhere. Right. You right. know, and it's like, you know, especially when you see these, like logos for like the Olympics or something. And then everyone jumps on it and says how bad this is and how bad that is and how much they paid for it. I could have done that for this much. You yeah. know, it's like, that's not what it's about. You know, it's, it's, it's this whole, it's the experience, it's the process. You're paying for someone who understands everything about what they're doing. It's not just about a couple yeah. of marks on a page. You know, it's about the the consultation between the client and the designer. And it's like, you know, eventually, if you put enough of that in there and you are good enough to stick around, you're going to be worth every penny that you charge. Yeah. You know, people are going to understand that and it's going to be a bargain for them, you know, because, I mean, like artwork is like, look at all the stuff that, you know, Shepard Ferry did for Obama. Yeah. I mean, that stuff is priceless. It's going to be in textbooks one day. Yeah. You know, and it's you can't you can't put a price on that. And I'm sure the price was 
you know, I'm sure, I'm sure there's money involved in there somewhere. <laughs> right, sure it right, was, right. It was, you know, well received. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like you can't, that stuff is priceless. I mean, you know, money is all relative. Yeah. You know, it's about like really creating something special and then, you know, trying to make a living off of that. Yeah. That's amazing. So one last question here, um, and, and just and being inspired and all that stuff. What does live inspiration mean to you? Um, I guess it's just like, it's, I would say it's easier to, to live inspired mm-hmm. where we live Yeah, because New York is such an amazing place. Um, and I think you could just walk around and everything's inspired. I mean, I just, just walking into this building, it's just the facade of the building is, I just looked at it. I was like, wow, this is cool. Yeah. You know, and, and it's, there's always something to kind of really spark an idea, yeah, you know, but it doesn't necessarily, you don't necessarily have to live in like a metropolis to have that. Right. You know, you can live anywhere and find cool stuff. I mean, even if you live in the middle of nowhere, you could stop at a gas station and they got old boxes and bottles from 80 years ago, just still stacked, uh, you know, and you're just like, wow, that's because yeah. it's a story, you know, and it's anything that has a story. If you can identify a story somehow, mm-hmm. somewhere, I think that's, that's as much inspiration as you'll ever need because yeah. you can just, I mean... You know, they always say, like, nothing is new, everything's been done, and Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. But it's not, I don't think it's about that. I think it's about what you do with that. Mm. You know, if you take something that exists already and, you know, put your spin on it, as, you know, as people, we don't don't have the ability to to act as photocopy machines. We just don't. I mean, even if you try to copy something exactly, it's still going to have something about you in there that makes it different. Yeah. You know, so as long as you can take whatever it is about you that makes you different from the next person and apply it to Mm. something that you find to be inspirational, I mean, there's an endless supply of of good stuff out there. Yeah, that's (laughs) awesome. I love that. Um, So where can where can people find you online? Well, uh, you can find me online at Mm -hmm. johncontino.com and then basically any social network at johncontino. Um, my primary one, my favorite one would be Instagram cause it's visual medium. <laughs> yeah. So that's my favorite for sure. Perfect. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it, you just put an at sign in John Contino and I'm probably on that network somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, awesome, John, your, your energy's inspired me today and, and I love it. Thanks for coming on the show. Man, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Shop Talk Radio. I hope you enjoyed John's interview. I know I sure did. And I'm going to go back and listen to it again, as I always do with all my guests, because I know I learn a lot from hearing them talk and hearing their thoughts and words of wisdom and their journeys and struggles and how they've pushed through to create the life that they've created and the success that they've created. It's very inspiring. So if this episode and podcast inspires you, we would love it if you could leave a review on iTunes and give us a good rating so that we can spread the word and share this and inspire more creatives to live their passion and live life in color. Also, you can tag us on Instagram, hashtag Shop Talk Radio or myself at Nick Onkin. And show us where you're listening to Shop Talk Radio. Would love to hear it and get inspired. So with that, stay tuned for the next episode.